Hey, Peter. Hey, Adam. Is this Groundhog Day or Independence Day? Because this is the third time we've done this one. <laughs> okay, well, we'll talk about that. But no, it's Independence Day. I can't wait for July 4th, which is Independence Day. Very big holiday here in the U.S. Did you know that? I did know that. Do you think we'll be able to like be on a blanket watching fireworks on Forest Park with the symphony playing on July 4th? I think so. It might be a very spread out symphony, and we might be spread out, but I'm, I'm very hopeful for that. Looking forward to that. But actually, we're going to talk about hand independence. What? Give him a hand. Give him a hand. I'm looking for a hand up, not a handout. I'm Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear Podcast. Daily music advice coming at you. Coming at you today. There's no Andrew to go, come on, Andrew, when things like this happen, <laughs> like we don't record the audio. That's no one's right. fault oh. but our own. Well, do you think you can handle doing this episode again, Mr. Manis? Oh, here comes the hand puns. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I think I'll feel it out. So we should I'll feel it out. We should tell people what happened. We just recorded pretty much this whole episode, and it was kind of brilliant. I, I you know, if we have one fault, we we <laughs> record endless brilliant um, conversations. Well, the one fault is I forget forgot to press record on my end. I was brilliant, and no one will ever hear it. <laughs> no no although we could put out like an alternate version of today's which is just you talking and then just, nothing from me like because you record it on your end right what's the sound of one hand clapping what's the sound of one <laughs> podcaster podcasting just talking right. it's, it's yet what if what if people are like wow that's actually 90 percent as good as it normally is we'll we'll totally know that i'm 10 percent of this equation and you're 90 percent well people are going to miss possible. out on the conversation about my balls my stress balls yeah, I'm really jealous. So, okay, it's just so folks can know, this is an audio-only version. We're doing YouTube, like, what, usually once a week or so. Uh, but we can see each other, which is great. We're across from each other here. We've got the keyboards. We're going to get into some of that kind of stuff. But I'm looking at Adam. He looks footloose and fancy-free as he tosses. I thought he was practicing juggling before, but then tell him what, what's in your hands. Well, so we had our episode with Dr. Charles Goldfarb of the Washington University yes. Medical Center, and he's a hand yeah. specialist. He's a uh, hand surgeon. And we were talking about hand health, and he had mentioned stress balls and you had mentioned that you, when you were younger, used to have stress balls. You had, you had the steel balls and then you had stress balls too. And I've right. never really had any stress balls. They're just little like, uh, balls filled with stuff and you squeeze them or whatever. So yeah, after hearing, uh, Dr. Chuck say like, yeah, stress balls actually can kind of make your hands stronger or whatever. It's like, well, well, I'm sitting here at my desk doing my, my open studio live streams. I might as well, uh, put some stress on these stress balls. You know what I'm saying? Did you, by any chance... Oh, so you had them already, or did you open up another tab and say, Amazon.com, prime yeah, shipping, couple of I stress did. balls, three ninety nine from China. I, as we were recording with Dr. Chuck, I literally <laughs> ordered these amongst uh, you know, a plethora other of $8 purchases I've had on Amazon in the last two <laughs> right. months. You know what I mean? So fun fact, we can tell everybody one the one magic tip to making more money on your gigs is when you're not doing any gigs, like none of us are doing now, don't make a whole bunch of Amazon $8 purchases across the month. It That's comes back I've, to bite you. I've learned you. that as well. It comes back to bite you. I'll take a, I'll take a, a, a three uh, $50 happy hours <laughs> a month, <laughs> know, right? you know what I mean? With, exactly. Uh, that that exactly. We, t we take too far over uh, 15 uh, Amazon stress ball purchases a week. <laughs> right. 
Um, okay, so today we are talking about hand independence. Yes. And um, so very topical for pianists, of course. And yeah, yeah. in the first version of this episode, we'll see if we can recreate it. Now we don't need to recreate it. We're, we're so good, we can just do it again. But the idea is... Um, that and we're going to give you four ways to specifically work on your hand independence. But we were definitely thinking that the concept of hand independence on its own is not enough. Like you can develop this, and look, this is a tricky skill. I mean, tricky in that it takes it, it can be sort of lagging behind other things, like with your general musicianship, maybe working on your ears, working on your groove, working on your time. The hand independence for a lot of people can come much slower and but I, I really want to encourage everybody that I am a firm believer I don't have I haven't done a scientific study on this but I really believe that everybody can develop this so I hear a lot of like I can't get my hands together I can't um, I just don't have that skill it's like no you got to keep working on it sometimes people that seem to be talented in this area we mentioned Jeff Keezer, who's definitely talented in this sure. area. Yeah. Okay, I just screwed up with the recording again, so hopefully this was a seamless edit. Let's get right into this. <laughs> Come on, Andrew. Huh? Come on, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's get into our first of our four ways to work on your hand independence. And this is numero uno, walking bass lines. But we're going to say half notes only, exclusively. A little restricted practicing, just like we have restricted... Yeah. Um, Shelter at home. We're going to be do some restricted practicing here with the half notes. Can I give a little example? Is that cool? Please do. Uh, So the idea, yeah, yeah. So the idea is that we're not doing any, no anticipations, nothing but half notes. I'm very, you know, I don't always get dogmatic, but when I do, I like to be very dogmatic. So if if you're going to have your hands as independent, they have to really, you have to work on them being independent. So the idea is, don't play anything too challenging that you can't keep those half notes going um, with your right hand. But then you do have to start to push yourself with the right hand at a certain point, yeah. right? Well, this is the thing is you can start off literally very simply. Just very nothing too complicated. Everything like right in yep. the groove. And then just gradually like ramp up. up the complexity as you get better at it but you can literally just start off with like yep like two notes practicing those kind of independent lines it's like it's like the Bach two-part inventions yep. you know Bach starts out fairly simply and then ramps up the complexity as he goes along I mean they're all just beautiful compositions but that idea of two notes and what you can do with them you will you will if you haven't done this yet you will progress very quickly with your hand yeah hands. absolutely and then what when you can tell you're starting to kind of push the envelope a little bit with your right hand is if your left hand is starting to, to link up with it that's when you want to kind of scale yeah. back as much as you're doing. But it's a great way to practice because every day you can try to push yourself and you you will start to see progress. I mean, there, you're going to be some plateaus and some ebbs and flows, but you should, if you're doing this correctly, see some progress there. 
It's awesome. All right, number two is to do something you normally do, but differently in both hands. So you might walk a diminished scale in the left hand and then improv a diminished scale in the right yes. hand. Yes. Okay, so with this, I was thinking, um, you know, how do we practice diminished scales usually? You know, parallel, maybe intense or whatever. But you're still kind of yeah. linked up in terms of like independence of the hand. So let's take that. Similar to number one, we're only pushing it as much as we need to. If you're, if you could just go, yeah, it just has to. Be, so the restriction is, and the the what you are doing together is you're playing over the diminished scale with both hands, but right. you're delinking, right. you're you're decoupling the two hands, but still within that restricted zone. And that could be any scale. That could be a major scale. It could be a pentatonic scale. It could be the whole tone scale. It really doesn't matter what scale it is. In fact, you want to switch up what scale you might do or what concept you might do. The the idea is that both hands are doing the same concept, just in different ways. I love it. So number three kind of flows right from that. Switch things up. Uh, So you could do that same diminished scale exercise and do the, the scale in your right hand. work on that see that's it's good it's challenging to play the scale in your right hand and improv in your left hand switch up what you do you have here uh improv in the right comp or improv in the left comp in the right baseline with the right melody with the left hand uh this is something you know if you're an open studio member with the piano access pass and you have access to these jeffrey keezer Mm. courses that we have he talks about that a lot passing the melody um in sections between the right hand and the left hand comping with the right hand and playing the melody with the left hand or walking a bass line or comping with the right hand and soloing with the left yeah, hand. Yeah, and it's very much, you know, this really starts to activate the mental aspect of this, which I think is the most important. Like the actual independence of the hands, the physical thing is not as big of a thing about our mind getting in a way that it can do two different things at the same time. And and really a lot of times it's about the left hand being automated. So like the one I was just doing... It, that's just about like, do you know the scale good enough in the left hand that it can kind of go on automatic pilot while you're a little bit more creative, um, you know, yeah. with your right hand. But I think with, um, you know, with anything and I'm, I'm not a um, I'm not a neurosurgeon or a master of neuroscience by trade. Are you sure? I, I'm, I, I've, let me check my diploma. No, I'm not. But the thing is, when you switch what you normally do and are accustomed to doing between the hands, you immediately activate the independence because they have to think for themselves. So if we go improv in left hand, comping in right hand, and maybe we'll just stay over this diminished for the fun of it. So. starting yeah. out just comping in between right it's still independent yeah. of, of yeah, the yeah. hands right but then maybe and then you can even um i'm switching the hands over here comping uh putting my right hand over so i'm comping this is my right hand Let me do something a little easier, a blues, so I can make it sound a little better. (laughs) 
So you, you can't see it, but Peter Martin has his hands crossed over each other. That's our number four is reverse the hands. You can practice like that with your hands crossed. I think that's a great way to get hand independence going. And I would say I was um, kind of the, the level, the quality of my uh, improv there was a little potato quality, to be honest there. <laughs> well, potato quality. No, but here's the thing is you start off, what's great about the hands cross is it's a similar concept of doing the opposite in each hand, you know, like doing something you normally yeah. don't do, but you get to hear it like you normally right. hear it, right? Like you get to hear the comping in the same range, even though it's in the right hand, it's down where the left hand normally would play. And you get to hear the soloing in the same range as the right hand normally would play with the left yeah. hand. I think that's the important part about that exercise yeah and i mean really like five minutes of that is painful <laughs> a day but yeah. can go a long yeah. way that's like that that's like part of the workout that you get where you're like oh ah, this hurts it's only five minutes but it gives you some of the biggest benefit you know now if you do that a lot on stage uh an old head might come up to you and be like the circus is down the street <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. because <laughs> yeah. you see your hands crossed over before you hear the notes that are coming out right <laughs> This is fun, man. We get a, we get asked a lot of questions about hand independence. We should do more on this, and we should uh, we should continue the, the discussion. If you have ideas about hand independence, please uh, send us away. I've been loving the the new Zoom settings, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put a link here. Peter shared with me a great video by I'm guessing a Canadian Definitely musician, a Canadian, but just yeah. by the way he's he said the word against. Said- <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, it's a great video on on kind of adjusting your Zoom settings to be able to communicate with musical instruments. And if you're on Zoom like we are a ton and you're on Zoom with pianos and keyboards and stuff or guitars or saxophones. If you're on Zoom like the rest you're of the world wanna, <laughs> presently. Yeah, you're going to want to check out this video and change some of your settings so that you can hear each other better. This yeah, is because great. we were convinced difference. that Zoom was just not optimized for music. It was optimized for voice, which it is actually, but there's some settings. But it turns out we're just not optimized for Zoom. <laughs> exactly, exactly. One other little bonus one I'll just throw out there. Uh, this is sort of a variation or a combination of a couple of them. And this is a way to practice scales. And you can certainly layer this in with the creative scale practice stuff that we always talk about. Um, but just to change up the tempo of what you're doing. So if we're going just a D flat major scale, so we can go... And it's not, it doesn't even have to be specific. It can kind of be random like that. Okay, thank you very much. I'm giving you, you a hand. hand. Yeah. I, you know, I told you I'm looking for a handout, not a hands up. I don't know. Hand, hand up. Uh, anyway, till tomorrow. You'll hear it.